Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your host. Shapiro, David North Martino, John of mystery and i'm al warren mr dave martino present <laughs> i'm here <laughs> what presents <laughs> you're gonna what presents you're bringing me presents it's not yes thanksgiving and you're bringing me presents yeah well that's great yeah. so what are gold silver gold gold silver yeah all that good all stuff. that stuff come on yeah of course yeah i need it i need it <laughs> more and we're gonna we're gonna learn about this we've got yes. um the author of a book called money wise Mabel's bursting bank, Kaylee Waver. Waver, yeah, close, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Kaylee. Thank, Thank you, you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is going to be uh, fun. So, listen, now this is um, kind of aimed now. So, this book is about being money wise, but I guess it's aimed at uh, at kids, right? Yes. So, I actually have two books that just came out. So, one that one, Money Wise, Mabel's Bursting Bank. That's a picture book for kids. And then I also have a nonfiction book called Make Money Your Thing. And that one's aimed, it's a nonfiction book, um, really aimed at adults. Um, but I really focused on women for that book because I think that um, they're often, you know, sometimes ignored in the finance industry. So those are the two books, actually, that I have out. Wow. That's great. That's even better. Yeah. 
what, so what do you say about this? So what's, what's kind of the option behind this? So when, you, when you're writing books like this, what are you hoping people get out of them? I'm hoping to have like an impact on people's financial lives overall. So the book for women, again, I think that women have kind of been ignored by the finance industry, unfortunately, for quite some time. And, and that probably kind of stems from that patriarchal past of men, you know, earning the money and, and doing all the investing and things like that. But I think we can acknowledge that times have obviously changed. Um, women make money and, you know, women are also independent financially and all those other scenarios too. So I wanted to create something that really felt like it catered to women, knowing that maybe they haven't felt like they belonged in this industry for some time now. And so it's, it's just this, you know, a welcoming space for women to kind of feel like they can have the conversations about money and learn more about investing and feel okay, like comfortable and, and a safe space to learn about it because, you know, I called the book Make Money Your Thing because most often I hear these things from women, but they'll say things like, I'm not good with numbers. I'm not good with math. Money just isn't my thing. Well, absolutely, you know, you can change that and you can make it your thing. And I share stories of women in the book and myself included, women who have, you know, done these things. And it's not complicated by any means, but, you know, it's just financially independent women and women who have stepped into saying, okay, I need to start investing. I need to put my money to work too. And this makes sense. And, um, you know, and this is how I'm going to go about it. And these are the actions I need to take. And it's really walking the reader through that journey. So they feel comfortable doing so. So they have a bit more of a confidence boost. So they'll take the action. So that's the book, make money or thing. And then the kids book, money wise, Mabel's bursting bank. Um, I wrote it really you know, my daughter was, I think, five at the time when I was writing the book, and it was when COVID first hit, and kids were at home, and we were sort of responsible for doing the teaching and whatnot, and it it really dawned on me that we don't learn these money topics in school enough, and, you know, my five-year-old was showing signs of just being terrible with money, and I mean, that's to be expected, because she hadn't learned anything about money, and, and so it just got my, you know, got the creative juices flowing of, okay, what can we do for kids? And can we have these conversations with really young kids? And I think we can. And that's why I wrote this kid's picture book for, for parents to have this conversation with kids as young as like, I would say three to seven, um, for this book. And, and it's just about opening the line of communication because kids are, you know, really cute and, and also very smart. We, we don't give them credit, I think, enough for how smart they are that they can really pick up these topics. And it's just the foundation of these money concepts that we can learn. Right. You know, uh, I can see that. And, and I guess, you know, are you, are you talking about investing money and how to invest and answering those kinds of questions? Or is it just more money management or where, where, what do people get when they read this then? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say a bit of both, like even in the kids book, I introduced the concept of compounding interest. <laughs> so you know, try to do that for little kids. Um, it's interesting. Um, but I did it. I attempted it. So the idea of, you know, the bank paying them money for getting their, you know, holding their money in their bank account and whatnot. So I, I introduced the concept of compounding interest in the kids' book. And then in Make Money or Thing, absolutely, there's there's money management. And then there's also the topic of investing because ultimately, like when it comes to building wealth, you know, what is key? We have to get our money working for us. It's one thing to save money and, and that's a great diligent habit to get into. 
but that's only part way, right? The next step is really investing that money and having it grow. And I give examples of, you know, just saving it and sort of socking away under your mattress or not having it actually invested versus having it invested and growing and compounding and what those look like, the differences. And the difference is massive when we project it out like 10 years, 20 years. So investing is an integral part to wealth building and we can't ignore that. And we do have to, you know, take that seriously and say, okay, I need to start investing. And and we do have to also acknowledge that we can start investing at any point. You don't have to be a very, you know, wealthy person or have to earn six-figure salaries or anything like that to get started investing. You can get started with, you know, putting away $25 a month. Like it's, you know, you can start small and still build from there. Yeah, it's very different today. You can start with, you know, much less money. Why do you think they don't teach personal uh, finance in school? That's a good question. There's probably a lot of conspiracy theories to this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if it's a little controversial. I think it is. Like the idea that, you know, they want to keep us in the whole worker mode. Um, those are, yeah, the controversial opinions. Or, um, yeah, the, <laughs> the, you know, credit cards like when we use our credit cards, mm-hmm. right? And And that as well. So, I don't know. It's really tough to say, and it's a question I'm really diving into with the next book I run one right and I'm starting to plan for. It's um, one specifically for, like, teenagers and young adults because that's that pivotal stage when you actually start earning money, and I think that's the point where it's really – you can use these good, positive money habits and really form something amazing. Like, we have charts that show if you start saving – $150 a month at the age of 19 and then only invest for something like 10 years and then just let it grow and compound. By the age of 65, you have something over a million dollars. Um, if it's compounding, I think around like nine or 10%. So that's, that's amazing to hear, like thinking that someone only has put away thousands of dollars, which will compound and grow itself to over a million if they start early. But we don't, and I would say a lot of that's based on, well, we don't learn this in school. And you're right, why don't we learn it in school? That's a great question, and and I hope that this is changing and that we're going to start seeing this more and more incorporated in the education system because of how impactful it is. Like, when we grow up, we're all impacted by money. We have to make money decisions every day as adults. Every single day, yet we don't learn about it in school. It's a really scary thought. You know, when I was growing up, of course, I'm old, but back in the 60s, you know, um, a female couldn't even have a bank account without Mm -hmm. her husband or father's signature. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. US, it's quite, it's quite a change in time. Um, what are people getting wrong? Like, what do you think people do wrong the most? That's a really good question as well. Um, you're right. So we are, you know, we're kind of playing catch up because there was a point where, you know, not so long ago, women didn't even have bank accounts or credit cards. It's just, it's mind blowing to think that. So I think part of, I talk about this in the book, like the whole kind of first section of the book is like a money mindset topic. That's a big one that I think that everyone can work on and is so powerful. And we're getting that one wrong <laughs> quite often, I think. And that's, that's the idea of having these money beliefs. And money beliefs oftentimes are, you know, what we have and they're based on almost like we pick them up along the way. And, and often that's coming from our childhood. So think about money beliefs you might have heard growing up. And, and for me, it was, I didn't have, we didn't have a lot of money. I was raised by a single mom. And so what I was hearing on repeat was, you know, we don't have enough. We never have enough. There's, there's almost this whole scarcity messaging that I received growing up. So that led to, in my young adult years, thinking like it's hard to earn money and it's hard to, you know, save money and grow your income and your wealth. And so it's this mindset piece that can be so powerful because if we really look at some of those beliefs we have, and I've talked about this on like podcasts I've been on as well, where, you know, the podcast person has said thing beliefs like, you know, people think that millionaires or people with a lot of wealth are greedy or money is the root of all evil. Like those are really big statements to say about money. And, and if we really look at them, like we can't actually say that those are true with, you know, 100% accuracy, because we could argue that there's a lot of wealthy people that are not evil or greedy or anything like that. So it's looking into your own beliefs you have about money, spend some time. And I tell readers or just even when I'm talking about this on like podcasts and shows is write down some of your money beliefs and then look at those again, whether they're good or bad, look at them and decide, you know, are these true because i would guess that a lot of them aren't like things like you know i can never get ahead or i'm always in debt i would argue that's not a hundred percent true statement that's a belief you have and once you recognize that 
you know, the fun part is now you have the power to choose what you want to believe. And this is setting you up for some really, you know, positive money vibes and a good money mindset to work with going forward. So, Again, you look at the ones you have, you you write down or kind of check on the accuracy of them, which I would argue that probably a lot of them aren't accurate, and then get to, you know, write down ones of your choosing, like saying things um, such as, I'm excited to learn more about money, I'm building my financial knowledge, I'm working on growing my savings, um, I'm looking for creative ways, I'm open to finding more creative ways to save, um, you know, things like that, ones that really feel good that you can get behind. And then have those sort of be the beliefs you have going forward because that's going to open the, you know, the realm of possibilities too when it comes to money. When we're, when we're saying things like, I can never get ahead. I'm always in debt. Guess what? Our brain just kind of closes off and decides, okay, like I can't get ahead. End of story. But if you're saying, I'm looking for creative ways to save more money. Well, now you open the possibilities. And now your brain is saying and looking for like creative solutions and ideas. It's open. It's looking for possibilities. And that's so much different. So I think the mindset piece is one of the biggest mistakes we make. And one of the easiest things that we can do right now, because again, it doesn't cost money to do this. Like we can all take a moment and, and do this kind of assessment on ourselves right now, exactly as we are. Yeah, because what you think and, and your beliefs, they change your actions, don't they? Absolutely. I think so. I'd like to think so. Like, I hope that everyone does at least give that activity a try and see, you know, and do it going forward as much as you can. Because those beliefs are going to come up again and again. You might find yourself, you know, seeing someone drive by in a really fancy car and those old beliefs going like, oh, you know, that's a waste of money or things like that. And you're like, well, you know, wait a minute. (laughs) Stop right there. Uh, you know, what am I choosing to believe now about money? And, and so see what happens in the next few months when you're being really mindful of your those thoughts. So what is going on a date with your money? That's a good question. <laughs> That's one of the chapters, yeah, in my book, Make Money Your Thing. Go on a date with your money. It's fun, right? Dating is fun sometimes. Well, it depends. <laughs> I know. I've been single and I've been in the dating scene, I feel like, for maybe too many years. But um, it, it can be really fun. So I guess dating your money, the concept of that is just, it's the idea of spending some dedicated time with your money. So when you really think about it, how much time do you spend earning money? I would say the majority of people spend upwards of 40 hours a week, maybe more, maybe less, Um you know, good on you if it's less. And so a lot of time spent making money. But how much time do you actually give to your money? Like just, you know, spending time working on your money. And I would argue that that is a lot lower (laughs) in relation to how much money we spend earning money. And I'm not saying that, okay, now you've spent 40 hours a week spending time on your money. Of course not. But even, you know, if you can think of a money date, it's just dedicated time with your money. So maybe you say, oh, okay, you know, next Sunday I'm going to spend one hour on a money date. And that's, again, giving dedicated time to your money. So you put it in your calendar. He is put in your calendar because I think when we put something in our calendar, it becomes a little bit more non-negotiable, right? We're going to show up. And then on this money date, I give ideas in the book of all sorts of kind of money dates you can have, like different topics you can tackle. But just think, you know, what stands out for you at that moment? Like it's almost like deciding, has there been something on your mind that you want to delve deeper into? Maybe you're saying things like, I don't know where all my money goes. Maybe that's a phrase you've been saying. Well, this money date is a great opportunity 
to take a look back at your last month of expenses um, and start seeing where your money's going, like really categorize it and see and then and spend some time on that and decide, you know, does that make sense? Am I okay with that? Or is there any changes I want to make? So it's, it, do you think it's really important to sit for a person to sit down? Uh, even a kid too, right? This is just part, you know, if they have an allowance or if they work a little job or a couple of day, hours a week or something, or even if they're an adult. So should they sit down and write all of the finances, like, like a budget, kind of what goes in, what goes out, and keep track of it to kind of get a hold of what is going on in their financial world? Absolutely. I would say so because it's, it's awareness, right? And, and when we have an awareness, What's really powerful about awareness is, well, now we can choose what to do with that. So maybe you look through everything and you're like, yeah, that makes sense and that's exactly what I thought. I would argue that most people, if you're doing this for the first time, are going to be pretty surprised at some of the categories. But with this awareness is so much power because you can now make a change going forward. So I don't like to suggest like budgeting in the sense of you have to track it on a daily basis or, you know, weekly basis nonstop going forward. But I think having an awareness, we can all get behind that there's value to that. Because the personal finance industry, you can listen to people that are going to say, have your budget, stick to the strict budget or whatever. And then you're going to have some people say, you know, you don't need a budget and that's too much work or whatever. It's, it's almost like there's two sides to it. But I would say, let's just take it as money awareness. Having some awareness is better than not knowing. Um, because when you have awareness, you can then decide what you want to do with that. If everything is great and you're happy, then continue as is. If there's things that you were quite surprised about, you know, maybe you spend more on the eating out category. That's always my weakness. Um, And so it's just being more mindful of saying, okay, I'm going to do some meal planning and make sure that I'm eating some more dinners at home um, because I've been spending money eating out too often or something like that. So it's, it's a really powerful exercise to say, you know, what is some of the positive changes I can or I want to make? Because That's what it really comes down to with money and spending. When you're spending on things that really align with your values and and your goals, you're not going to necessarily feel bad and stressed and guilty over it. But it's when you're spending money on those things, like I, like I mentioned, you know, Uber Eats or skip the dishes or whatever it is, you might go, okay, that's not really a value of mine. Um, I want to make some changes there. But then spending money on trips, if you really value adventure, that might feel good and really resonate with you. And that's okay. Right, or the Starbucks drive-thru. Yeah. <laughs> or online apps. Online apps must be a thing because the streaming and all these things, people go, oh, I'll get that, you know, and hook up Paramount or hook up Netflix or Prime, and all of a sudden they've got 10 apps, but the money just comes out and you don't notice it because it's just on your phone, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So when you're doing this awareness piece, it's this, it's that reminder of, oh, yeah, I signed up for that a few months ago, but I watched all the shows I wanted to. Now I'm going to cancel it because I don't really need it anymore, right? It's a good it's a good activity because it's going to make you aware of some of those blind spots. Now, is it safe to invest? Like this is something that I would imagine a lot of people question because I think personally there's a ton of people out there that have no idea about how investing works or what they should invest in. And they, it feels like, uh, it, you know, it's so distant from people just don't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's the one of the places that people, you know, that it would be kind of like the scariest place. And I, I think we all have a story. You know, the reason it's like I, I have a chapter that's like literally called something about how, in, you know, investing doesn't have to be scary. Because I think anyone I've talked to or probably anyone you've met and talked to has this story, like this horror story, whether it's themselves, their parents, their friend, their cousin, their sister's 
you know, friend from another city or whatever it is, however many removed. But it's a story, this horror story about someone putting money in the stock markets and then losing it all. And and that really resonates and sticks with people. And then they decide going forward that they aren't going to invest because they heard this horror story that happened to someone. So again, knowing that, (laughs) that is very scary. But investing doesn't have to be scary. Investing is one of the most common ways that people use to build wealth. So if you want to know what are wealthy people doing with their money, they're investing it. And it doesn't have to be scary because there's ways we can go about it to make it less scary. So some of the ways being, okay, invest appropriately for your time frame. So if you say, I need this money next month for a down payment on a house, but I'm going to throw it in the stock markets and see if I can make some money in the meantime. Well, that's a really scary approach to investing because you can either gain a lot or lose a lot in that short of a period of time. So you wouldn't want to do something like that with something that's on a shorter term time horizon. But let's say you're, you know, you're in your 40s, you're not looking to retire until your late 50s or 60s, and you're putting money away for retirement. Well, investing is a really important strategy to help you build that wealth. Um, and you can take on the, you know, put money in stock markets and take on some of that volatility because when we zoom out and look at the stock markets, when we're looking at time frames like 20 years plus, the stock markets have actually always returned positive results on those longer term time horizons. So it is a safe strategy and a good strategy to use because it's actually going to make a big impact on your retirement savings. You're probably going to have to save like, you know, a much less amount. Like if you're saying, oh, I think I need $1 million to retire or one and a half million or whatever that number is. Well, to think that you have to put away all that money, that's extreme. And I would say would be hard for anyone to do. But when you're investing and it's compounding, it's growing, that's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. And so what you actually have to put away is astronomically less. And so that is why we invest. So yes, investing is really important and it is good to do. And there's ways we can make it less scary. We can be mindful of our time horizon. Um, we can be mindful of diversifying. So we talk about, well, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So if you go and invest all in one stock, and I give an example of, you know, a woman I uh, met with that was really scared to invest because she heard about this like mining stock from these guys at her work. And so she just threw all her money in that because it sounded like it was going to, you know, they were going to strike gold and it was going to go way up. Well, it didn't and it went bankrupt, the company. So that's really scary. And that's why we talk about diversifying. So when you're buying things like ETFs, which are exchange traded funds, for instance, it is a basket of different holdings. You're getting, you know, a hundred stocks, 500 stocks or thousands of stocks all within this one position. So you don't have that same volatility. You don't, you don't have to think, uh oh, what if, that company goes bankrupt tomorrow. Well, if there's 500 companies in your holding and one goes bankrupt tomorrow, it really shouldn't even make a big dent on your overall like performance and on that position. So these are some of the ways and that we can think about investing differently so it isn't as scary. Should we, should we do it through a bank or should we just go to an investor or should we just do it ourselves, you think? Yeah, there's all, all types of options and it really depends on the person and what you're looking to achieve. So as a financial advisor, I work with clients on a day-to-day basis where I am, you know, giving investment recommendations and managing money. 
But there's people that choose to do it themselves, and that's completely fine. And then there's also kind of an in-between, which is more of like a robo-advisor type structure, where it's going to give you almost some suggestions based on you answering certain questions um, about, like, your age, your time frame, and then it's going to almost spit out some results of, like, okay, here's a nice diversified portfolio for you. So there's all sorts of methods, and there's not necessarily a right or wrong. It's more a personal preference, I would say. Um, if things are relatively simple and, you know, by all means, I would say the do-it-yourself approach is, is perfect. Um, so it's just, again, a matter of, you know, maybe learning a little bit, buying something well diversified, keeping it simple, and just going ahead with that. And you can also have your money invested ongoing to take away some of that, you know, volatility in the markets too. So markets are going up, markets are going down. Well, you just have every paycheck, $500 is going into that investment every month. So you don't really care. You know, markets go up, markets go down. Oh, well, you're buying it sometimes when it's higher up, sometimes when it's lower. But overall, you're kind of getting it at all these different points, which should help kind of smooth out some of the long, the volatility longer term. So that's a great do-it-yourself approach. That's simple. You can automate it and, and it's, essentially like kind of a set it and forget it but don't completely forget it right we got to pay attention to our money so i guess it's yeah it's you know do you have the time the desire and um you know how complicated is your situation that's kind of a good gauge of maybe how to assess what makes sense for you and now credit cards and stuff how do, how how should people handle credit don't do it <laughs> don't use those <laughs> none you know, but you you got to you got to build your credit, right? And you got to get in, you know, some sort yeah. of credit established to buy a, a house and a car and do things in in the future. Um so you kind of got to do it a little. Yeah, you do. It's funny cuz I grew up where, you know, credit cards were just a big no-no. Like my mom didn't have a credit card and so I think I was in university the first time I met like a fellow classmate. She was talking about her credit card, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, she has a credit card!" Like it felt so like so like bad or something, like a rebel. She's a um, sinner. <laughs> but you're right. There's there's a purpose to credit in the sense of building credit. It's almost how you establish you know, a history for banks to look at when you do want to borrow money for big purchases, like a home, or um, if you want to buy a car and finance it, you will need that credit history established because they're not willing to lend to you without it. It's, it's sort of their, you know, uh, sort of like a safety measure to say, okay, this person pays their bills, right? It's, it's almost just to establish like, okay, you know, they're a safe person to lend money to. So, there is that element, and that's why, you know, it's something that you do want to have and, and get a credit card eventually. But starting out when you're young and if, you get, if you're getting a credit card, keep those low limits. Like, you're probably only going to be given a low limit to start out with. That's okay. And, and use that and kind of, you know, stay within that for a while because the goal with a credit card should always be that you're going to be paying off the full balance every month. That's how you want to be using a credit card. Um, so only put on it what you think you can pay off in full at the end of the month. Because if you don't, that accumulates and you're paying interest on it and you're paying some astronomical rates, right? You're paying like 19% or maybe more. And another key is just keep it simple. Try not to have too many different credit cards because, you know, it just gets complicated in your head of keeping track of them all ultimately. And you might miss a payment because you have five credit cards and, you know, you're like, oh, whoops, I forgot that that one came due on that day. And it, so it maybe wasn't even intentional, but you forgot. So I would say keep it simple, maybe stick to one or two credit cards. And again, use it to that establish that credit so you can have these bigger purchases later on or eventually um, or have the flexibility to do so. But 
but do treat it in a way of that you want to be paying it off every month. I think we've really forgotten, like, I think of myself as a child. Like, when you're a kid and you don't have any money and no one's going to give you a credit card, obviously. If you want something, you have to save up for it. Like, fully save up for it. And I think we forgot how to save up for something with credit cards, which is really unfortunate. Um, so it's that instant gratification. I want it. I'll just get it right now and I'll pay for it later. It, but it's really dangerous pushing that pay for it later because it's almost like you disconnect from that later person. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, it'll, you know, she'll handle it later, but it's like, it's me having to pay for it later on. Um, so it's still you. So I think it's like, can you go back to that time when we were kids? And if you wanted something, you had to save up money. And it actually felt really good. Like when you got to your savings goal, I mean, I don't know if this is like for everyone, but I have a story in my book where I talk about how I wanted a Super Nintendo more than anything. And I saved up for it. And I think it took me almost a year because I was like nine years old. And it felt amazing to buy that Super Nintendo on my own. So there's so much power in, you know, just having some saving goals and, and working towards them. Yeah, it makes a difference. And, and, and I guess, you know, we should really avoid all of those things you see advertised on TV, you know, quick credit and, and get this and get that and, and yeah. all these, you know, cause most of them, it's huge interest and, and you end up paying four times what it's worth. Exactly. Like think about those as, you know, they're pretty much always the winner in those. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're like, Oh, what a good deal. I don't have to pay for, you know, one, one year. Oh, I can split it up over four payments. And you think like, this is amazing. Well, they pretty, pretty much are always like the reason they're offering that is because they're making money off of it. Right. So <laughs> just decide, yeah, you know, maybe that's not the best approach. And, and just give yourself a pause. Like it's, there's so much of this. We can, we can shop online and we can get things so quickly and easily that, there's less of a time for us to get in that rational part of our brain where we pause and just decide, do I really want this and, and need it? And and so if you have to just make a practice of that in general, if you're buying things on your phone, okay, maybe put it in your cart online, you know, your shopping cart or whatever it is, and then just go away from that site and give yourself 24 hours or something just to think about it. And I would argue that a lot of the times you're probably just going to ditch that cart and not actually buy the thing. Yeah, or you, you, they send you an email every hour. You forgot. <laughs> you forgot to check out. You forgot, yeah. Your card's still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your card. It's still waiting. Did you forget? Yeah. I, 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 You're like, it'll be fine. My cart will be fine. You know. But it's just that we're in a very, like, consumer-driven society, and it's always making us feel like we need all this stuff. And and it's almost like that's what we see as, like, the definition of success is the fancy car and the house and but if you actually really look at like net worth and um, I think that the book's called like the millionaire next door and you know, all these different stats, it shows that like actual millionaires oftentimes don't even drive brand new cars and their houses aren't the multi-million dollar houses either. So there's, you know, the flashy look of wealth and then there's what is real wealth. And, and oftentimes it doesn't actually, you can't actually see it. And and often what we're seeing is people that are actually just really indebted. Yeah, yeah, a lot of credit. You know, they have mm -hmm. a lot of credit, and they buy. You know, I because I I also grew up in the time where you did save up to buy things. It wasn't it wasn't about just charging it all to have it all. You actually worked and paid for things and stuff. So it's slightly changed from that. Yeah, you know. massively, and we're we're losing touch like with that reality too because like we don't use um physical money anymore pretty much ever like actual dollar bills and coins and those are just 
gone. It's almost like most places don't even like expect you to pay with cash. <laughs> if you do, they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a conspiracy. That's the whole thing. They made a plan. Yeah, they're taking it away, man. It's all it's all gonna end now. So well, so and uh, anyway, so now, how do people find out more about you and the books? And uh, do you have a website? Do you have social media? Where Where is Kaylee? Yeah, so I am on social media, um, so you can check me out there. I have a website. It's kayleeboisvert.com, so just my first, late, first name, last name.com. And the books are for sale um, wherever, like, online books are sold. So Amazon's probably the easiest spot to get those. Um, yeah, but you can also, on my website, um, it links to where you can order the books as well online. Well, perfect. Of course, we'll have that up on our website, and Thank we'll you. make sure everybody has it real quick one click check out some of the books actually learn how to be rich you'll be like dave there you know oh yeah 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 make money your thing ditch yes. shame and design your dream life and uh the author of both books that we've been talking about today is uh kaylee Braver. so thank you for being here thank you so much for having me thank you everyone your audience is amazing so i really appreciate yeah your time today thanks kaylee You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.